Do you ever struggle with your fuzzy brain? I do. Welcome to the Uncluttered Office Podcast. Here I share what I've discovered from my challenges with ADHD and chemo brain. I'm your host, Katherine Avery. I'm a former Wall Streeter, now certified productive environment specialist and ADHD productivity coach with well over 20 years of experience in business, office design, and productivity. I'm a badass cancer survivor and thriver, wife, mom of a teen and a cat, and a lifelong geek. I'm old enough now to be proud of it. I've learned that whether we lose our keys, misplace our files, or constantly forget our appointments, we can design a work and home life that is simpler, easier, and fits who we are with our unique brains. I believe that to be truly productive, we need to learn how to be intentionally unproductive. A strange twist for a productivity coach. But hey, I love to ski, sail, and surf. Listen in and learn how to streamline your space and systems so you can be more focused, organized, and have more time to be intentionally unproductive. Hey, everyone. I'm Katherine Avery of the Uncluttered Office Podcast and ProductivityByDesign.com. I am so excited today. As you know, this has been the month of November, and we're talking about all the things we can say no to so that we have room to say yes. And so I am so blessed because Barbara said yes to coming on this show, and Barbara is my mentor. She was the person I found when I was really struggling with getting systems set up in my business long after I started my business. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about her, and then she's going to jump on in. Barbara Hemphill is an internationally recognized expert on increasing profits, productivity, and peace of mind by eliminating physical, digital, emotional, and spiritual clutter. She has written several books, including Taming the Paper Tiger and Less Cluttered, More Life. So really fast, we've already covered physical and digital clutter. Today, Barbara and I are going to dive into emotional and spiritual clutter. So, Barbara, I'd love to start with your story. Where were you 40 years ago? <laughs> oh, well, first of all, thanks for having me, Catherine. And I so happy to have you uh, on our productive environment team. This story started out out of a need. Uh, my first husband and I lived in uh, India, and while we were there, we adopted three orphan children, ages two, three, and four, one of whom had special needs. We got sent back to New York City, where my husband worked for this nonprofit and didn't make enough money to pay for living in New York City. So I needed to bring in some income to the family, but I wanted to put my children first. I was trained as a musician. Uh, I had taught music in my home, but we lived in a small two-bedroom apartment, so that wasn't an option. Um, so I decided the best way would be to listen to what people were complaining about, that I could fix and people would pay me for. So I sat on the playground and I would listen to conversations and I kept hearing conversations about, about clutter, about physical clutter, not eating off of the table because it was piled full of papers, not filing income taxes because they couldn't find the receipt, fighting with their children about the clutter in their room, um, having trouble getting places on time and just, just feeling stressed. And I thought, hmm, they didn't have my mom and dad. I'm not a naturally organized person. I've been diagnosed with ADHD. I love to start things. I have trouble finishing them. I like the big picture, but I hate details. 
But I grew up in an environment on a farm in Nebraska where we had systems for everything. There were certain ways that we did things. And the house wasn't always neat. It was the second floor of a tenant farmhouse. It was very small. But there were ways we did things. And I thought everybody did that. And then I got out in the world and realized, oh, my gosh, most people, I, I would say, don't do that. And so I took $7 out of our grocery money, which was because I used to walk 20 blocks because I didn't have 50 cents for the bus. And I just said, disorganized, I organized closets, files, kitchens, you name it, called Barbara Hemphill. So basically, I was doing 40 years ago what Marie Kondo is talking about now. It's just amazing, really, when you think about how things, they kind of stay the same and they come back around again. So as you already know, but maybe my listeners don't, I came to a productive environment right after I had cancer. And it was because I didn't have systems in place. And I, what I found was I would retreat to my home office as my sort of creative place while I was going through everything. I even had a teeny tiny in the back place that I can sit to meditate and pray, which is amazing. And, but it was always cluttered. There were always papers. There was always stuff everywhere. And I just didn't know how to keep up with it. I had brought organizers in the whole nine yards. And I realized one of the reasons it was hard for me to keep my business going was because I didn't have the systems in place. So I actually found you through Cena Block, who's a good friend. And I'd said to Cena, I see this as my next step on my office design journey. It's not enough to help clients get a great office space, it's maintaining it and having those systems. So that's how I ended up in productive environment. And I just love it. And I have had so much fun being part of the team, which really leads to the next question. What inspired you and sort of how did you come to making it no longer just Barbara Hemphill and Andrea, peanut butter and jelly, but (laughs) this whole team of folks who are out there spreading this incredibly important message and doing this important work? Well, it, ha- it kind of evolved because, I, first of all, I had to promote the fact that that organization was something we should talk about. I mean, it, there were no organizing books or organizing stores or organizing TV shows. So it was kind of the hidden, hidden problem, really. So I would go to PTAs, church groups, garden clubs, anywhere that I could get a stage to talk about why organizing was a problem and what people could do about it. Uh, one of my first speeches was, uh, at the time, I live in Raleigh, North Carolina now, but at the time I lived in uh, Washington, D.C. I was in New York for just a little less than a year with that business. We moved to Washington, D.C., where I was for 15 years. And I was there, and um, a woman was hired me to organize her house. She was a real estate agent. I organized her house. Uh, then her car, because real estate agents, your car is your issue. Uh, and then she asked me if I could do her office. And I, I really didn't know because I hadn't had much experience. I said, well, I'll go. And if I can, you can pay me. And if I don't, I'll leave. But I discovered that the principles were absolutely the same. Um, as I'm sure you've shared with your listeners, our business is based on clutters, postponed decisions. And so that applies in our personal and our professional lives. So I did her office and then she asked me a question. She said, would you come and speak to the Northern Virginia Board of Realtors? I'd never spoken to a group like that before. I said, how many people were, would it be? And I, I can't even remember. I think it was a hundred or something like that. And she said, 
told me how many it was. And I said, oh, sure, you know, I, I can do that. So I realized that this was a big issue. So I started doing speeches all around the country for associations and different kinds of organizations. But I quickly learned that I was actually creating a new problem because I was raising people's consciousness to the fact that organization, that they could be more organized. But I was only one person. And so in some ways, I was making the problem worse because if I'm getting up there on the platform and saying, oh, you're disorganized, you need to fix it. But they couldn't fix it. And at that point, there wasn't books or TV or anything like that. And I was only one person. So first of all, I did write Taming the Paper Tiger because I realized that was in 1988 that paper was the number one problem. You know, we could do the closets and the cupboards and the kitchens. But paper is so hard because it represents emotion. And one of the things I've learned in these 40 years is that the reason people have difficulty making decisions is because of their emotion. And people would ask me the question, how long do you keep? And in the early 90s, it was bank statements because bank statements, then we got those canceled checks, those big thick envelopes with all those numbers on them. And everybody thought they should keep them because they thought the IRS wanted them. Well, the IRS didn't want them, but nobody told them that. So I wrote Taming the Paper Tiger, which was about every single piece of paper that comes into the household. That book exists today under a new name. It's now called Organizing Paper at Home, What to Toss and How to Find the Rest. It's not designed to be read cover to cover. It's a reference book. So it talks about how to organize recipes and photographs and memorabilia and tax papers and health insurance and what do you put in your safe deposit box and just all those kinds of questions. But then I realized even the book, what happened when people buy the book and they pile, put the book on their piles of papers. I mean, I can't tell you how many pictures people have sent me of, oh, I bought your book and it just added more to the clutter. <laughs> so then I created, I partnered with a company uh, to create a software program, which I was affiliated with for many, many years called Taming the Paper Tiger. It still exists and many of our clients do use it. It's not part of my company, but we have clients who use that software. And then it's like, okay, well now we have to help people get the software. So we created this community of people to help people tame the paper tiger. And that's how all the community started. Then I realized that by calling it paper tiger, as we moved into the digital age, that this might make people think that the only thing we dealt with was paper. In spite of the fact that this is supposed to be the paperless age, I spoke to a group of business owners recently, a hundred and some, and I said, how many of you work in a paperless office? Two people raised their hands. So we're not paperless yet. My license says less paper. I believe that we can all use less paper. So I renamed the company, uh, instead of Paper Tiger Institute, I renamed it Productive Environment Institute and defined productive environment as an intentional setting in which everyone can accomplish their work and enjoy their lives. Your environment's everywhere. It's your clothes closet when you get up in the morning. It's your desktop on your computer. It's your email. It's your car. Uh, it's your wallet. It's, but it's most of all your mind. It's your brain. Uh, when your brain is full of clutter, uh, saying, I'm too old to do this, I'm too stupid to do this, it's too late to do this, this will never work. That is emotional clutter, which will prevent you from accomplishing your work and enjoying your life. So now we have this team of people and everybody on the team, what's so exciting to me, so I, here's the analogy I use, it's like, 
PEI teaches principles and systems for managing time, space, and information, which everybody has to do personally and professionally. The consultants that come in, like you, Catherine, all have their own experience, their own passion, which is what makes them unique. So when we put these together, together we are better, that means that this entity made up of you and PEI together is totally unique. There is no one else in the world that is Catherine Avery. And that's so exciting because there are people who just need you because of your cancer story, because of your design skill, because of who you are. And so 80% of success in getting organized is, first of all, accountability. You know, people say clutter is postponed decisions. And people quote me all the time and they'll say, clutter is simply postponed decisions or just postponed decisions or only postponed decisions. And then people who are having trouble making decisions say, oh, there must be something wrong with me. I mean, it's, it's, it's not that big a deal. It is a big deal. And research shows we're 76% more likely to accomplish a goal if we have an accountability partner. So, and your success with an accountability partner will be directly related to how the two of you connect. So there are people who love Catherine and love her personality and her style. On the other hand, there may be people that say, ah, you know, she's not quite bright for me. Well, that's why we have PEI because we refer people all the time. And in many cases, our consultants work with each other. So we have a number of cases where somebody is working with more than one consultant because one consultant might be helping them with design and one might be helping with digital or something like that. So it's, we have lots of fun together. The collaboration is amazing. And you, you started to touch on emotional clutter. And one of the things that I absolutely love of our tools is the five questions we ask ourselves when we're setting intentions and goals. And I think when you're starting with this whole process of releasing things, saying no, releasing emotional clutter, that's where we start. We start with our values and those five questions. So I'd love for you to talk about that. Okay. You're talking about the productive environment process, the five steps, right? Okay. Not the five steps. It's the questions we ask when we're trying to make a decision. So they are, they're, they're, the second one is struggles and challenges, challenges, obstacles. Okay. Well, first of all, I mean, when someone says they want to get organized, first of all, we always say to do what? You know, organizing in and of itself has no value. It's simply a skill to help you accomplish something. And there are people who spend all their time getting organized and don't really have anything to show for it. So we first of all want to know what is it that you want to accomplish? How are we going to know that we got there? Um, you can't change what you don't measure. So we use scorecards. So we can actually measure where you were and where you are now and where you want to go. And then secondly, it's uh, identify your obstacles. So it's like, okay, what have you tried in the past? Or what are you afraid might prevent you from doing it? And actually, one of the biggest fears that was such a shock to me was that people look at me and say, oh, you can do that because you're organized. You know, not true. Uh, if, I weren't, if I didn't have my own systems, I don't know where I would be because I'm not naturally organized. So, and the obstacles is often time. You know, it's like, I don't have time. Well, it's a catch-22. Is it that you don't have time because you're disorganized or are you disorganized because you don't have time? 
And as the old saying goes, if you keep doing what you're doing, you're going to keep getting what you're getting. So you do have to stop and get off the treadmill for a period of time. But one of the things that our consultants do is help you figure out how you're going to do that. And there are lots and lots of ways to do it. If your vision, what we call your why, is big enough, we can always figure out a way. People often say, in fact, I, I worked with a client that told me she hired three organizers in two states and spent several thousand dollars and was feeling worse. So we worked together for just four hours and she was very excited. And I said, okay, what's different about what we did? She said two things. One, she said, I never realized before that my clutter, in her case, it was paper clutter, was because I wasn't making decisions. Just, I just didn't realize that before. But secondly, you kept asking me what I was willing to do. And that's the real key because all of us have more to do, more we could do, more we want to do than is possible. So if our why is big enough, then we're going to figure out, we can figure out a way. And that's why after more than 40 years in this industry, I love it more than ever. I feel more excited about it than ever before because our culture is so cluttered. Everything that we do creates clutter. It creates physical clutter. It creates digital clutter. It creates emotional clutter. It creates spiritual clutter. So if we don't have systems to address that and systems that we are willing to use, we're going to be in big trouble. So my passion and all of the people on our productive environment team are, is helping people accomplish their work and enjoy their lives and creating systems to do that. So the third one, so we got stay your vision, identify your obstacles. Third then is identify your resources. So it's like, okay, how much time and how much money are you willing to spend? You know, are you going to spend 15 minutes a day? Or are you going to, uh, are you the type of person that likes to do it a little bit at a time? Or is it better to say, okay, I'm, I had one client who was going on a vacation to Hawaii. She literally canceled her vacation to Hawaii because she realized that if she went to Hawaii and came back, she was coming back to the same mess. She took the time and money that she was going to spend going to Hawaii and spend it on organizing her entire house because she said, I'm going to live at that house for the rest of my life. So what, how much time, how much money, who's going to help you? Who, who in your organization and your family is going to help you? Frequently, family members are not helped though because... There's a lot, a lot of tension there. I mean, my husband and I couldn't be more different. And I think that's true of most, you know, in most marriages. And the more we try to force somebody else to do it our way, the more they're going to fight it. So we got to go back to what they will do. So that's your resources. So then it's in order to reach this vision, overcoming these obstacles with these resources, we go to step four. And this is where Catherine comes in. This is help you design and execute your plan. And that's 80% of the work. But if you don't do the other three steps first, you're going to do what a lot of organizing consultants do in the past, unfortunately, because we clean up after them. They go in and they think it's all about the stuff and they organize all the stuff and they color code it and neat and label it and leave. And then six months later, it's a mess again. Because they didn't with a lie. They didn't realize and they didn't put systems in place that clients can maintain. And that leads us to step five, which is the most important and the most difficult. And that is sustain your success. 
I don't care how good a tool is or a system is or how dedicated you are, nothing you do the first time is going to work. It always takes tweaking. And sometimes it's a tiny little tweak, but it can make a big difference. For example, we teach something called the magic six and in it, it talks about things, the six things you should be able to reach from where you're sitting at your desk. Well, what I learned from my own experience is I have to be able to reach them sitting at my desk without moving out of my chair. And that was a tiny little thing, but it made a huge difference. So uh, little things really do make a difference. And there are four questions that you can ask to determine if something is organized. So when you're at step five, sustain your success, here's four questions you can ask about anything, whether you're choosing your calendar or whether you're organizing your closet or whether you're organizing your life. You can say, does it work? Two, do I like it? Sometimes something works. My favorite example was a CFO of a movie production company who said, yes, my office works, but I don't like it. I would like to have a clean desk. And every time I have a clean desk, I can't find anything. So yes, it worked, but he didn't like it. So we introduced our finding system and he's been using it for years and loving it. Step three is, does it work for the other people it impacts? So that's your family, your family and uh, your colleagues that you work with. We have to be collaborative. We have to have some give and take. Everybody in my household, you can come and see in the household, there are certain areas in the household that are my husband's and it's very clear which ones are his, <laughs> but it's his house too. So we have to do that. And then the, the fourth question is, can you recover quickly? And the reason that's important is messes happen. I mean, this morning I got up and my internet wasn't working. So I spent an hour trying to figure out how to get the internet back up. I mean, that wasn't what I was planning to do today. And messes do happen. You get sick and family members get sick and you move and all kinds of things happen. So you have to identify two things. What level of disorganization you're willing to live with and what how long you're willing to clean up that mess. So in my life, it's one week. So if you came into my office in the middle of the week or my home and looked around, you might say, ah, and they teach, they pay your money for organizing? Because I'm not a naturally organized person. But if you give me 30 minutes, everything will be put away and it will be put away in the place. It won't be stuffed someplace. It'll be put away. Now I have a client whose level of tolerance is one day. I mean, he just, he's kind of obsessive compulsive, but he still wasn't cleaning up the clutter. And we figured out it was because he just wasn't making an appointment with himself. So he said, okay, if I did this first thing in the morning, first of all, it's something I hate doing. And if I did it, then I'd feel really good because I, as Brian Tracy said, I need frog, you know, I've had the frog dug and I can go. And then I felt really good. And he said, it only takes a couple minutes. So you have to figure out what level of clutter you're willing to live with and how long it's going to take you to get rid of that. And if you do that, that's a system. So I have to tell you a funny story because last Saturday I had had it with the clutter in the living room and it was everybody's clutter. It had just accumulated. I don't know what happened. We just weren't paying attention to the pot, whatever. And so I said to everybody in the family, I said, I know you all don't want to do this and I don't either. But I know if we can work together as a family, we can get this done in 20 minutes. 
And then that means we can decorate next weekend for Christmas. And my daughter loves Christmas. And she's like, Mom, we never decorate before Thanksgiving. You never allow that. I said, if you all chip in and clean up for 20 minutes, we'll decorate early. And she's like, all right, we're in. So some of it, too, is like, how do you motivate the other people? And it's true. We are going to decorate Saturday for Christmas, which I've never done before Thanksgiving ever. But and so that's really important that you do what you say you're going to do because that, that, that rewards. So that's, oh, that's awesome. What a great idea. Yeah, <laughs> I'll be in deep trouble with my family if I don't allow it. So, but it just, it's, it's just amazing to me how when you have this systems, how much easier everything becomes in your life and the cleaning up of the mess. Barbara, one of the big reasons I came to Productive Environment is that statement, it's not what you should do, it's what you will do. Yeah, I really have a true. function disorder, so I'm right there with you. My office gets a little cluttered, and then on Friday afternoon in 15, 20 minutes, I can get this whole place organized. I'm actually laughing because your book, Organizing at Home, I think that's what you said it was called, is sitting out on my desk right now. <laughs> <laughs> a pile of other books. And on Friday, those books will all get put away again. And it's not going to be the end of the world because that's really the only thing sitting on my desk. Just kind of remarkable to me. The other piece that you mentioned that I love about the Magic Six, and I've noticed this with the last four or five clients I've had, and we talk about inbox, outbox, and to be filed. They all have a different way of setting it up. Mm-hmm. And none of them are the same as me, and they're probably not the same as you. But if it works and they use it and they will do it, it's amazing. That's, and that's what, makes it, that's what makes it fun, too, is to help people. And you as a designer know that design aesthetics is extremely important to some people. Now, some people it's not. You know, like in my case, aesthetics makes a whole lot of difference. In my husband's case, it's all function. Right. I mean, so if, it, if, you know, it's like, I have to have function, but I also have to have aesthetics. So, and I think we, part of our skill as certified production environment specialists is figuring out what people like, finding out from them. And a lot of times they don't know it themselves because they've never thought about it. They, they never realized that the reason they were struggling with organization because they hadn't figured out what they liked. So when we help them figure out what they like, then we can solve the problem. So my most recent client, had a huge heavy desk that came with her from her office. And it had one of those things I never remember what called, it's got, not a credenza, but the big piece that goes up above and is oh, a storage right. piece that uh, holds some stuff at the top. And, and she showed me her office and we started walking through it. And I mean, immediately I said, you said you feel overwhelmed and you don't want to be in this office. You feel closed in and it's dark. I said, that big piece of furniture is blocking your window. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Literally, Barbara, it was that simple. I said, that has to go. And she said, well, I'm going to have to find a place to store it. I said, that's fine. Well, we went back and forth for two or three weeks. And I said, could you do me a favor? Could you just take it down and try? Just try. And she said, well, now I'm going to have to find room for that stuff. I said, I will help you figure out where to put all that stuff. That is easy. Just take it down and see what you think. It was like a night and day. Oh, that's absolutely loves her office now. And it is decluttered. She's got her bookcase figured out and organized, and she's so happy. And this is such a gift and a blessing we can give people. It brings me joy, too. I don't think I've ever been so happy about my work as I am now here at 53 years old. And, and, I, and I'm, it really leads to the next place, which is how grateful I am 
And since this is coming up on Thanksgiving, I'd love us to wrap up by talking about our gratitude practices. So I'm going to let you start. Well, one of my habits that I've learned is that the very first thing I get out of bed this morning, I spend 30 minutes with no technology. So I don't grab my phone or do anything like that. I grab a journal and I start writing. And the very first thing I write is at least one thing I'm grateful for. It's always supposed to be one, but usually it ends up being a whole lot more things. And you know, gratitude. In fact, uh, one of my colleagues and I just did a webinar, a few, or not a webinar, a live event actually a few weeks ago called Less Clutter, More Gratitude. And mm. the premise is that when you eliminate clutter, if, if there's a space, if there's a vacuum, that vacuum always gets filled up with something. That's why you never buy a, cl- a house with too many closets, because however many closets you have is how many you're going to fill up, right? I mean, you know that, Catherine. So we talked about the fact that when you want to get rid of emotional clutter, if you want to get rid of the messages of I'm too old, I'm too fat, it's too late, I couldn't do that. If you replace it with gratitude of I'm so grateful I have more time to live or I'm so grateful that I have this opportunity, it will turn everything around. So gratitude always is a blessing to you and to everyone around you because who doesn't like to be around people who are grateful? When, when I got the diagnosis uh, way back when, the, the, the first thing they said was, you have to exercise every day. And I kind of need to exercise before I'm fully awake because I really don't like to exercise. <laughs> I don't mind it as much now as I used to. But when I started and I said, I don't, that's going to take my gratitude time away. And so I created this thing, which is a gratitude power walk. So I go outside and I'm walking with God, strong, moving. And then I'm saying sometimes out loud, which is very funny for people to see as they look out their windows. There I am saying the things I'm grateful for. And when we're out in this beautiful world that we've been given, it's really easy to feel grateful for trees and air, the ability to walk. When I think about some of the medications I've had to take, the fact that I get to get up every day and step on the floor, and, and how, how can we not be grateful for that? So gratitude is definitely, I think, where it starts for the journey of reducing emotional clutter. Last thought on that. I was just emptying my closet last weekend uh, of you know, when you do the seasonal switch. And I used to be real kind of lazy about this. And I just shove thing in the bin and, you know, put it back up in the attic. And I'm getting to the point now where going in and out of the attic is not my thing at all. And so I'm like, well, could I put less stuff in the attic if I got rid of some things? So when I do, I take things and I look at them and I say, if I'm not wearing anymore, I'm so grateful for this piece. This sounds very Marie Kondo, doesn't it? And then I, I bless it. And I know that someone else is going to get to use that. Someone else will get to wear that piece of clothing and what, and what a gift that is to know that I can give something to someone who maybe doesn't have a nice shirt like that. That is so true. I just, I mean, it is such a, you know, you brought up a couple of things. Number one, the being out in the nature. I mean, all the research shows that for health, there's nothing better than being outdoors and you can't be outdoors without feeling grateful if you just, you know, just look around. So that's really great. And then I think letting, gifting other people things is being grateful for what you have and being able to give it to other people. Um, And that can apply uh, a very interesting experience I had was I was hired by a company 
to work with a woman who was really a hoarder and had been for like 20 years. And she got a new boss and the new boss was just not willing to put up with it anymore. And so she said, you know, you have 90 days to clean up this office and keep it this way or else you're going to lose your job. That's the bad news. The good news is I'm willing to hire Barbara Hemphill to come and help you. So I went in to help her. And one of the comments I made to her was she'd been there for 20 years. So people have been watching her. And I said, you know, when you solve this problem, you are going to be such a blessing to other people. And she looked at me like kind of strange. And I said, there is not one of us, including me, who doesn't have something in our lives that we've wanted to change for 20 years. And we haven't. And so when they see you change, you are going to inspire them. So that gave her some hope. And we were, one of the things we came across were photographs of her colleagues' children, okay? Because they work kind of like a family and the colleagues would get school. And she said, oh, you know, I feel terrible throwing these away, but I don't really need them. You know, we did. We put all them together as we were organizing. And then at the end of the day, we said a prayer for each of those children. And then we put them in the, in the recycle bin. And it was like, we, in fact, I've often joked that the word archives, A-R-C-H-I-V-E-S, should actually be our, O-U-R, archives. Because what happens, and this is a good example, is she was archiving something that wasn't her responsibility. And so that's what companies do too. Companies often keep things that are given to them by other companies, and what's, which means they keep back a whole bunch of stuff that they really don't need to. Well, this was amazing. And I am super grateful you came on the show. I'm looking forward to our next adventures together. I know we're going to have them. How can people find you, Barbara? Well, they can always go to our network, ProductiveEnvironmentNetwork.com. And that's a community of what my business partner, Andrea Anderson, we call each other peanut butter and jelly. Catherine mentioned it earlier. We call it organizers and organizees. So people on Productive Environment Network are people who want to get organized and people who help people get organized in all kinds of different ways. We talk about health and fitness and paper organization and digital organization and mental clutter and all kinds of things like that. So if you go there, there are lots of free resources that you can get. You can connect with Catherine directly there. So that'll be another way that you can connect with her. And uh, Catherine, I just thank you for inviting me because I love spreading the word I believe we live in a world that is so discouraged right now. And our passion is helping people accomplish their work and enjoy their lives. And I'm just thrilled that you're part of our team and you're helping people do that. So thanks for having me. Thank you so much, Barbara. It's great being with you. Have a great rest of your week. Thank you. You too. You've been listening to the Uncluttered Office Podcast, available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and www.productivitybydesign.com. I'm your host, Katherine Avery. If you like what you've heard, please share this episode with someone you think needs it. I would love for you to leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. Your reviews make my heart sing and can help even more people find the gifts in their productivity challenges. Thanks for listening and see you next week.
This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM. Women's voices amplified.